Welcome to the Movies on the Brain podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian C. Wood, and with me tonight is the overjoyed, eager, energetic. Are we energetic? Yes. Really? Yes. That that one kind of thing. But uh, oh uh, yeah, Chad Betts. Welcome to another weird, wild, and wacky week in the fast world of muscle cars and mayhem. Yes, that's right. It's good to see Chad again because we are now going to sit and talk about his favorite film of the year, Fast X. Yeah, it's. I'm so excited by this movie. It is so high on my list. I haven't even seen it yet. That's where we are. Oh, oh, fun. Fun. So you get to let me do this by myself? Great. Yep. I appreciate that. Way to go, buddy. Um, so so we won't be... I'll, I'll keep this in mind when we have to go through Dial of Destiny here in a few weeks and I have to sit there and watch old man Harrison Ford nearly croak on screen. So it's... Okay, so I didn't want to see it, but that's not that's not what happened. I just couldn't... I have not had the time to get into it. Uh, I was going... I had planned on sneaking away on Monday... And then work changed. And yeah, I just have yet to see it. For shame, Chad. For shame. I, I, oh, you're for shame. We all you you know what's gonna happen. I'm gonna watch this crap and it's gonna pop a blood vessel. I'm about to come here and scream about it. So you'll still get me losing my mind, pushing myself closer to death because my blood pressure is going through the roof over this nonsense. Oh, and there is much nonsense. There there is much nonsense, but it is all done in the name of family. So that makes it okay. You 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 don't have to worry about. I mean, you don't have to worry about spoilers. For me, I don't know how the movie ends, but I know who's in it. Both of them. All right. Well, that's good because when I texted you that on on Thursday night of last week, you were like, "I only know of one." Um, I, I had a feeling who the other one was, and then you know, once the movie came out on Monday, it was like a free for all. I was like, oh, okay, fine. I didn't. I I wouldn't try to see it, but thanks. Well, so that now means that Chad has to drive the pirate ship. So, Chad, drive this high-octane muscle car of a show down the freeway of the dam. Speaking of that, uh, since we know this is going to be a sticking point with you, um, was that sequence as completely ridiculous as it looks in in the trailers? Because, again... It is is physics-defying, and it is stupid. But the thing is, like... (laughs) But but the, but the thing is, like, they acknowledge the fact that, like, I like me and you had talked about, you would just be going to die because there would be a giant body of water underneath the dam, running through the dam, coming out the other side. So you would just your car, even if you could steer it and get it down the hill, you would just be leaping off into a giant lake. And so the car would then just what's left of the car anyway, because its tires would be set on fire and melted to the rim would then just sink to the bottom, and then you would have to figure out how to get out of said car. Like, yeah, no. Okay, my my last question about the dam, because as my mind is remembering it from the trailer, there is a point where, you know, when he jumps over, and magically, magically, the car touches onto the dam. It's like... If, yeah, that shot, like, that, that shot is still in the in the final version. The, the version that I didn't... The thing that I didn't really realize was they didn't have drivers in the trucks. So like it was almost like they were afraid to be like there were bad people in this car in these 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 trucks and then they died and then diesel killed them by making them crash into each other. Um they're just you know the they're remote controlled basically. So all right. Uh, whatever. What what the hell ever. 
All right. So drive the drive the muscle car, Chad. Let's take us around the spin on the fast lane. Uh, so are we going to do this like the normal stuff or? Yeah, we can do this like the normal thing. Also, we could just go by the amount of stuff that would have blown that will blow your mind when you actually see it. We're going to go the normal way. And I, I, I mean, if we're here to try to entertain people, I guess I'll entertain them by saving my uh, my vitriol when I actually lay eyes on some of this crap. So with that said, uh, we'll do the good, not so good and uh, bad of this movie. So, I mean, I can't imagine what could possibly be good, but what is good about this? Um, That they pulled a wrestling minute, a wrestling move where they swerved you and they completely changed their, their minds on who the big bad is. Cause like you've been building in, in eight and nine, you've been building up that Cypher was going to be the thing. And that Cypher was going to be the one to end the family. And she has a very cool line in this, uh, in the opening scenes of this movie for her, where she's, you know, crawling bloody out of a new DeLorean, by the way, um, you know, she she's lying there bleeding on Dom's couch and she's like, you know, I thought I was the devil, but I'm not the devil. The devil's now coming for you. Um, that's that was a pretty profound and interesting place that like that the creative team got together in a room and just decided that all of a sudden Charlie's Theron wasn't going to be the big bad and that she needed to play on team Dom like everybody else um, was very, very interesting. Also, kudos to Jason Momoa, who just got to go out there and do his very best version of the Joker ever. Like, it is not the Heath Ledger Joker, but it is Jim Carrey. If Jim Carrey, instead of playing the Riddler in 1995, had played the Joker. That's what this is. Like, campy, over-the-top, cuckoo, crazy villain who has no morals and no scruples and just is out to, to do crazy and insane things. Okay, so no matter who I hear talk about this, everybody says the same thing. Same thing you just said. Momoa's having a blast. Uh, his performance is a standout of the movie. He, he's the Joker. He literally is the Joker. He does not care about anyone or anything. He just wants Dom's, Dom to suffer, and he wants chaos to ensue. That's his only two motivations through the entire film. Like he, he has nothing else going for him. Just create chaos and make Dom pay. That's it. All right. All right. So I am looking forward to that. That's that's good. Um, before we move on to the next one. So the last trailer for this showed John Cena. And it showed John Cena doing a thing that I don't think John Cena has done in the movie yet, which is give somebody a FU that seems to go on forever. So did he actually FU somebody like through several floors of a place? Um, that is in the house where when they, when, um, when troops come to try and take Dom's kid, uh, Emil, uh, uh, Ilian Gonzalez style, um, for there's a cultural reference about five people will get from 1999. Um, but that's what they did. And it's, you know, uncle Dom, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, Uncle Jacob has to come in and save the day and he he's on the upper floor and he takes the guy and he F5s him through uh, through the top floor and into the bottom where he crashes through a glass coffee table and dies. I, I just thought, you know, that was interesting because when you put a wrestler in a movie, 
I know early on people were like want to see them do their finishing move or wrestling moves during a fight. Uh, I think the rocks rock bottom somebody like twice and one in in the damn Frank, uh, fast movie. I think the first one he showed up in. Uh, Cena has yet to do it, and I kind of at this point I kind of just thought he never would. Uh, when I I'm, I'm surprised they gave it away in the trailer because I mean I would have popped for that in the theater and called it F you instead of an attitude adjustment, but we're wrestling nerds. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the, you're not so good for this thing. Chad, there's a thing called TSA and um, TSA is are great people doing the Lord's work of, you know, giving people body cavity searches because they're afraid that somebody might have some unhinged thing on an airplane. And, and they're, they're, Thankless workers in our federal government who do these these things. Um, if you go to the airport and you are putting your little you know uh, carry on bag there in uh, in the thing, it has to be X rayed. And uh, in the X ray, they will see what the, the contents are of the bag, and they will make a determination about what to do, whether to let the bag pass or to bring you into a very dark room that I hope to never again be in because they're that that's the place where they waterboard you. But um, you know, TSA can be very aggressive with these kinds of things. There is a scene, an entire subplot of the movie where Uncle Jacob and Dom's kid go on a road trip and they are he, he basically gets Jacob and he's trying to get Jacob to the designated meeting place where they've all agreed to show up to. Slight problem. Only Jacob ever shows up to the hideaway. <laughs> no one else does. No one even really makes an attempt to get to the hideaway. Um but to get to the hideaway, he decides he wants to take a commercial flight because, you know, the whole team's been burned and, you know, they want to see their faces on the camera so that people know, you know, and can come after. So he this entire movie, there's something strapped to the hood of John Cena's car. And I won't give away the car bit because the car like the car bit is fun, um, but it's strapped to the car and then he takes it off and he tries to go through the airport with it. And we see him go to the airport with it. We see him uh, catch the tail and then we see him on the plane and we don't really see the bag again. Um, and then, you know, it, it's shaped oddly. So like, you think it's like a, you know, kayak or something, you know, no, Chad, this man smuggled an airplane onto an airplane. He sh- he smuggled a two person, small little baby j- jet onto a 747 that he then uses to drop out of said 747 and fly off to Neverland. But, but no, 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 never mind. Never mind. Okay. Bye. 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 Good boy. Oh, uh, I really now, want to do this myself. Now this, this is also, this is also the same Jacob who in his spare time away from the family, um, has been building a car that has cannons on the sides of them. So, like, actual car that can fire actual cannons while it is driving. Oh, boy. With mortar shells in the whole deal. Like, just exposed mortar shells on either side of the car. Oh, they, what, you know, whatever, whatever. They, uh, they, they, they literally call it the cannon mobile. <laughs> they don't even try it at this point, but whatever. All right. <laughs> um. How would you have gotten it through TSA? Even if you check it as a check bag, like they have to put it into the into the under uh, carriage of the of the of the uh, under carriage of the of the uh, 
plane. They still check those things. It's ridiculous. Okay. Um, I got, I really, okay. I need to stop before you keep blowing my, that's just, wow. Wow. All right. Uh, Anything, anything else in this realm of not so good? It seems like this whole movie could be stuck right in there. Um, an addendum, well, I have an addendum to my good, and that is that me and you are both, uh, me and you are both, uh, shall we say, uh, credit nerds. We sit through credits and we watch credits a lot. I sat through the credits of this movie for the singer that I knew was coming, and um, I noticed that they had that Justin Lin not only got a story by car credit, not only an executive producer credit. But he also got a screenplay by credit, which suggests to me that he was one of two people credited with the screenplay. That to me would say that even though they were only three weeks into shooting or whatever they were when they fired the dude, that they kept almost all of his script. Because you know the way that those accredited those credits work is like it's a percentage of your story that is left if you leave the project. And so for him to have gotten a full-on writing credit and an executive producing credit and a story by credit to me was a really a really good deal, but also a really big deal. That's right. I was forgetting that, you know, he got fired from the movie and he didn't, he didn't get fired. He quit. He told Vin Diesel to go shove it because Vin Diesel was being very hard on him and he was burned out and tired because he had just done Fast Nine and he went right into Fast Ten and Big Daddy V was being an annoying little asshole as Vin, <laughs> as Vin Diesel can be. And he was just like, fuck it, I don't need this in my life anymore. And so he quit. The man who has directed seven of the nine Fast and the Furious movies was just like, nope, too much. Can't do it. Uh, Whatever. Okay. Um, So so if I have an addendum to my not so good, it would be the uh, it would be the fact that um, the there's a layer, extra layer of um, retconning that they do. Um, in this movie, I'm sure. Well, the first retcon is fine because um, it ties. It makes the film basically a sequel to Fast Five, which works really well. Um, there is a a certain way in which you could watch just Fast Five and then put Fast Ten in, and it would work as just a double feature. I mean, you might have questions about why Dom has a kid or something like that, but they're very explicit at the beginning. That it's ten years later. So um, there's that retconning of of showing Jason Momoa in all the stuff from Fast Five, like computer computer generatedly putting him in there. And that kind of works because that you, you need to give the background of who this guy is, where he came from and why he is. He is so hell bent on on taking Vin Diesel and the family out. The issue is you come back and you do the the, the uh, heel turn with the head of the new of the little agency that the rock was the head of um, where, you know, he's against Vin Diesel and he thinks Vin Diesel is a criminal and he thinks that the family deserves all these, you know, hard things that are bad things that are happening to them. Um, And then you see him turn good. And then you retcon that. And again, do a 360 and have him turn bad again. And you retcon it by showing that he was right there all along with, um, Ramos's kid, you know, with Momo's character in all the fast sequences that you showed us earlier in the film. So, yeah. like, you have a double, you have a double retcon that, like, isn't to me necessary. So, who's who's playing that guy? 
Uh, I don't know. Big muscle dude. That's that's the only. Oh, the the blonde guy. Yeah. That's with uh, uh, with a GI Joe haircut. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Alan Rick Rickman. He's the, he's the new Jack Reacher on Amazon. Um, he was in Titans as Hawk, and he was Raphael in the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movies. Uh, this is also your current reminder that there's another Ninja Turtles movie coming in August that no one has seen, I nor hear of. Yeah, there's a trailer. When did that trailer drop? Because I have not. I've been in a theater you, all the time, but I have not seen a trailer for that movie. You know, I've I've seen posters. I have not seen the trailer. I'm trying to think if I saw the trailer in the theater, and I may not have, but it, it dropped. I'll send it to you. Um, this was like uh, whenever they released, like, do you know who the cast is? No. Okay. Yeah, they released like the cast, and then like two days later, they released the trailer. I'm going to send it to you. Uh, yeah, that movie's going to be great. I think that movie's going to be really good. Um, Michael Bay movies, not so much. But while I'm looking for that, in the grand theme, scheme of things, you bringing up Justin Lin made me think. How did uh, uh, our boy Letier do directing all this madness? Um, this is really different and difficult for me to judge because none of Edgar's stuff made that Ant-Man movie. They they literally rebuilt that movie almost completely from scratch when Edgar left in that April. They had like pushed it back, filming back from April to from April to June to give um, Adam McKay and and uh, Paul Rudd time to write a script and to give enough time to hire Peyton Reed and do that whole thing. So, you know, that was a Peyton Reed movie. It feels like a Peyton Reed movie. You get that some of the stuff might have had to already have been worked on, but it wasn't like they hadn't started shooting her. Um, this is really hard for me not to just be like, he, well, it let came in as a hired gun to point and shoot the camera and learn the ropes of how these stunts are coordinated and staged um, because he has an action background, but doing fast stuff is different from most other action stuff. Um, you, in other words, I guess you can say like, you don't feel any like moment where it was like his signature on something like, like this was his moment that he added to the thing. Um, people give Marvel a bad rap about that, but like the fast movies are even more, of that because they're not necessarily formulaic, but Vin is Vin is the god of that franchise now. You know, rest in peace, Paul Walker. It has allowed Vin Diesel to go unchecked, and so regardless of its if it's me, you, F. Gary Gray, or Justin Lin, or um, uh, what's the uh, James Wan or whoever is in the director's chair, it's ultimately Vin's story and Vin's 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 idea. And it feels like that's what they did. Letier came in and just started shooting the stuff and running with the set schedules that were that were there. And we'll see if that changes with Eleven and how his style and how his frank his shot composition and how his framing uh, work with the eleventh and supposedly final installment. Um, but yeah, like this this film ends on a dark note. This film definitely ends on a cliffhanger and a dark one at that. So um, it'll be interesting to see what that transition looks like. All right. Well, that's fair enough. Um, so what's your bad? What 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 didn't you like about this? Sucker? <sighs> um, Jordana Brewster just kind of falls off the face of the earth after being babysitter girl again. Um, we continuously act like Brian O'Connor doesn't have a kid. 
we are shoved Ben Diesel's Dom's kid is right there in front and center. And granted, his name is Brian, but he's not Brian O'Connor's kid. And given the fact that Brian O'Connor's uh, Brian O'Connor and uh, and um, Maya or not Maya um, uh, Mia, like Mia and and Brian get pregnant in five. Like he she finds out she's pregnant in five. She gives birth at the end of five. Um, like that is a very important point of that movie. And so when you're pulling so much stuff from um, from five to the point where like he's on a revenge mission, but you're telling me he's on a revenge mission, but he's not going to go after the one, the other guy who was involved in the heist. Right. right. So he's going to go after Dom. He's going to go through after everybody who was involved in the, in the, in the heist. He's going to go after the rock because, because he killed his father. Literally. He's the one who put the bullet in the chest of of his father, but he's not going to go after uh, O'Connor at all. In any way, he's just going to stick it to Dom. Like, he can't even be bothered to, like, go kidnap his own, like, Brian O'Connor's kid. He's just focused on kidnapping Dom's kid. It's like, so, like, they do this whole thing where I talked about the house setup, where, like, she's she's there and she's she's playing um, the Hot Wheels uh, auto racing game that's on Xbox or whatever, or PlayStation with, with the kid, because they're really pumping up the kid to be super smart and super intelligent and very good with cars at like eight. <laughs> so they're already, they're already pumping that up. And that's when the troops come in and swarm in and go all Elian Gonzalez on them. And like, she, like Jacob comes in with, uh, uh, with her and they clear house, they take out all the, all the troops. And then she tells him to take his nephew and go, and go to the secret meeting place where Dom has told all of them to, to meet up if stuff ever goes completely south. And then we never see her again. Like we follow, we follow uncle, uh, uh, we follow uncle and nephew off on their, you know, little road trip. Um, and we go off on that excursion. Um, we follow, you know, all the black, people, all the people of color are all together on one part of the mission. And they're all over here, and so we're following them. We're also following Dom and his st- stuff in Rio. So, like, those are the three places. And Jordana Brewster is none of there, nowhere in any of that. And so it's like, where where'd she go, bro? Where'd she go? What's up? So, like, my bad is like you you excluded like it, it defies logic the way that you excluded Brian O'Connor and and Mia uh, this go around. So. Especially when you you make a point of having Michelle Rodriguez and Charlie Theron beat the shit out of each other for no real reason, and and you make a point of you know women doing amazingly, having amazing awesome street fights and things in this film, because you know remember a couple of films ago you know when Michelle Rodriguez was like y'all need to like pay us more and y'all need to give us more to do, um, or we're gonna walk. Um, so yeah, that that is there. Um, Brie Larson is okay, but there's no point to her character. She's just a stand-in for Mr. Mr. Nobody as Mr. Nobody's uh, daughter. And there was a scene in the movie that literally made me cringe. And it didn't make me cringe because of the way it was shot or staged or any of that. It made me cringe because of the way I know I figured the internet would react to it. There's a scene 
on the bridge, you know, the famous bridge in 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 Rio where they, you know, flung the safe over into the ocean that started all this stuff. There's a, a fight on that bridge midway through the movie again. And um, she shows up to help Vin Diesel, but she gets shot. Now, she doesn't die. She does get shot. And she is there panting and he she gives him his necklace back. Because he got it, she got it from Letty. But she helped Letty break out of jail, and here she is lying. And all of a sudden, here here comes Big Daddy V to lower down, pick her up, and hold her in her arms. And the way that it is shot is a shot looking up at Vin holding Captain Marvel in his hands while and delivering her to safety. <laughs> It's literally shot with him coming to the rescue of this helpless female. That's the way it's framed. And it's like, with that actress? Nah, bro. No, that's that's not the right way to go. Um, You're right. It's not the way to go. However, knowing the players involved, particularly the major player, uh, that's like par for the course. Oh, yeah. But like... It's still very odd to be like, I'm going to lift up and save this superhero woman. It's like, okay, thank you. Cool, cool. Whatever you want to do, Vin. I mean, I'm sure Chronicles of Reddick 3 will be a huge box office success for you. <laughs> but like, that would be in there. Um, the ending of the film would be my bad, would be in the bad category for me for a simple reason. So they do the Empire Strikes Back thing. Right where they split everybody up. Um, it's what Avengers Infinity War did, as a matter of fact. Like you had half of your heroes over in space and half of your heroes on Earth, and that was part of the sticking point at the beginning of Endgame. Was like if we'd all been together, this wouldn't have happened, and I blame you and all this kind of stuff. Right. right. So they do the same thing here. They split everybody up. They send they send the people of color off together. They they have. Ben and, and, and Rio doing his thing uh, with another bit of retconning because they introduce you to uh, his baby mama's sister, who would have been like, I don't know, eight when Dom was having sexual relations with her sister and creating her nephew. Um, she's now a street racer. Imagine that. Um, you know, they this this they take their mythology like seriously, but they also do a hell of a lot of retconning. Um, but like he's over here doing that. They're over here in London and trying to make their way to the to the hideaway that no one's actually at. We got Jacob and and nephew over here doing this. Um, but eventually, like they all come together at this at the dam, right? This is the the big set piece at the end. And it, it, you know the big phrase that has been uttered in the trailers and has been put forth by uh by Momoa in the movie is, you know, it's something that his, his father Ramos said, which was, you know, uh, death is never given when suffering is owed. And so his whole thing is I'm going to make Dom suffer and then I'm going to kill him once he's suffered enough. And you think that he is, you know, going to get away the, uh, the plane, the the all all the all the African American folks are all together on a plane. They're coming in. They're going to land. They've they've gone to meet Jason Statham and get all the cars and gear that they need 
that have been paid for by Tyrese in cash because Tyrese carries hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash on his person, on his physical person, because he doesn't trust banking institutions. Wait, wait, and, so, hey, so of everything you said about everything else about this movie, that is the most believable thing out of anything else because that's the character they set up. Bravo to them getting one thing that doesn't seem so outlandishly stupid to work. Yeah, because he drains their bank accounts. Like, he takes their, their money and redistributes it to terrorist groups who are then told to target the family. Because, um, you know, technology. Yeah. Um, but, like, the only one with any money left is Tyrese, and he's the one who ends up giving the money to uh, Jason Statham to pay for the cars and, and all the gear that they're going to need to to take on Momoa's character. So they're on a plane. They're supposed to come in. Dom's on the on the dam, and Jacob on the way to the uh, on the way to the dam. Jacob has you know given his life in order to protect his nephew, and so now we've got Dom and nephew, Dom and son in a car on the dam, and we've got the African American folks on a plane heading in, and it's supposed to be this wonderful you know win the day thing, and then Dom does his race car stuff down the dam and does the miraculous um, and survives, right? Like they get out, they they have a trouble with the uh, seatbelts and they eventually get them undone and then they swim up and they they get to shore and they watch and they look and they see the plane with their friends coming in and then old homeboy, who's, uh, you know, uh, Jack Reacher, um, he shoots the plane engine and they watch helplessly as the plane flies past them, hits a hill, and explodes. And, you know, it seems pretty definitive, right? That that all of our friends are now dead. And Jacob has just died. And we have no idea where Jordana, Jordana Brewster is, but no one apparently cares. And um, <laughs> and it's supposed to look, and it looks really, really bad for our heroes. The last part of splitting everybody up was Letty. Letty was arrested in the early part of the movie, and she is sent to Antarctica to a black site prison, and in the same black site prison as Cypher. And her and Cypher get together on a plan. They kick each other's ass, and then they actually try the plan. And the plan leads to them escaping the um, the black site prison in a uh, you know in Antarctica. And then they put on jackets that they steal from the other you know bodyguard folks. And they go trekking through the Alaskan wilderness. And that's the last week, the uh, Arctic wilderness. And then that's the last we see of them until the very next to very last shot of the movie. I think it is the very last shot of the movie where um, we've been reminded earlier in the film of all the adventures that our friends have gone on, which include the submarine, the Russian submarine that was never accounted for. And we have no idea where it is. Guess what shows up in the middle of the Arctic? The Russian so, submarine. But wait, so it just miraculously out of nowhere just shows up it shows up to rescue them and do you know whom it is it is piloted by the rock nope it is piloted by our good friend gal gadot wait wait she was dead before the submarine right she was dead before the submarine but she also was like dead dead like hooked through chest pulled out of airplane whole thing yeah wait was it a hook through the chest i just remember her flying off the plane yeah she got parachuted like Sucked out of the moving airplane at the, when they're doing the airplane spot. Yeah. Okay. So I knew she came back and whatever. But uh, 
there's no inclination of, of how she survived yet, right? No, no, they'll do the they'll do the whole explaining of that magic trick in the next film. But Cypher is like looks over to to Michelle Rodriguez to Letty and is like, you know, still think my plan sucks. So there's the inclination that or the indication that Michelle that uh that Gal Gadot's character and Cypher are working together. Um and um that now she's going to take them back to wherever the secret hideaway is. And then the movie fades to black and then you get the credits and then you get the post credit tag, which is essentially as everybody now by now knows is basically a masked figure carrying a gun in a raid style environment and getting a phone call and the phone call being from Momoa's um, character basically saying, yeah, Dom, Dom is the one who drove the car, but you're the one who pulled the trigger. And we see flashbacks um, to Fast Five that cut the rock's face from from them. You just see the rock's body. You don't see the rock's face. And then, you know, you know, I'll come find you is what Momoa's character said. Uh, I'll, I'll come get you and, or I'm coming for you or something like that. And Rock, they finally pan up. Rock takes his mask off and just a grayer bearded Hobbs than the last time we saw him says, uh, I ain't hard to find, you dumb son bitch. And that's the, the post credit stain. And so my bad, it's a very long route to get there because you had to explain the entire end of the movie. But my bad is the fact that you could have, I think, you would have gotten a bigger pop swapping. Because you haven't gone back to the, uh, to the, you haven't gone back to the uh, Antarctica thing in like 20, 30 minutes. So you kind of even forget that it's a thing. Um, and but you've been following this adventure with uh, with Jake, with uh, with Momoa's character in Dom. And you've seen all this history throughout the movie on five and what happened in five. And if you've seen five at all, or even if you hadn't, you know that Ro- that Hobbes is a big part of that story. It's the first movie that he appears in. He is an antagonist to Dom until he's hauling him into jail, and then his car gets bombed by Romes's men. All of The Rock's colleagues die, and then that's when The Rock turns to Vin Diesel and is like, I'm on your side until we get these sons of bitches. Um, and that's how you get you know, Hobbs coming into the family. And so there's no way to do a revenge story on Five without The Rock. And so it makes perfect sense that he would not just stop at, at Dom, that he would go after Hobbs as well. And, you know, that to me, you could have put that cameo in the body of the movie somewhere and it would have worked. But waiting for the end, the post credit stinger to have Gal Gadot pop out because they did the same thing with Han. Han's return was in a cameo in a, in a post credit stinger. It would have marked everybody out to see her fully come back in the post credit sting it leaves you with all the questions of like it's more fun to leave me with the questions of okay how did she survive how did they do that magic trick is she a good person is she a bad person are any of the are they all working with mr nobody or is mr nobody not involved at all then to just leave me with oh hobbs rocks back doesn't necessarily have to shoot scenes with vin diesel cool can't wait to see that yeah <laughs> okay because like Chad, there's there's no there's no like there's no inclination because everybody is so far flung from each other. There's no indication that you would have to have those two 
on the same set shooting scenes together unless like until the very end. Cause like you, cause like you're going to have Momoa versus him basically for half of a movie is essentially what it's going to be. Yeah. I, 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 well, you know, as you say that and knowing that now the, the studio is asking, can we get a trilogy? Maybe the, the whole middle, perhaps, perhaps they are depending on yeah. the box office revenue. And that's probably, that was the last thing I thought we were going to talk about was the fact that this movie opened in the same ballpark as nine. However, nine had theater counts missing because, you know, theaters, some, some theaters were so close during COVID. Yeah. Well, so before we get to the box office, my just hearing you say all that. And my thought is if they are to go to the, um, to the trilogy method to the 12th movie, right. Might they give the next movie, uh, make it be instead of the next movie being, you know, half rock fighting this dude, then they come together. Maybe it's, Mostly the rock fighting this dude and losing it, losing at the end. And then the third movie is you no know, family all together. And then they they take on and beat uh uh Dante's Inferno or whatever the hell his name is. I mean you you could go that route. I just like my thing has always been like I we we both know we went on that roller coaster, right? We we went on that roller coaster where it was like Vin publicly asked him to come back. He publicly took out his wiener and pissed all over that. <laughs> and then and then we got rumors that the feud was was still going. And then we came back with rumors that the food had feud had been squashed and that they were working together. And then we get this post credits thing. So I like I don't really know where to fall on that. Well, um, as someone once said, um, everything is wrestling. And there was legitimate heat between the Rock and John Cena at one point, but they came together to make money. So maybe that's. Maybe... Yeah, I didn't fully. I didn't fully read that story. Was that the the build to twenty eight where he screwed up and they came back for twenty nine, or was it the build to twenty nine that he had messed up? It well, it was the build. Basically, it's you know, you know when he uh what what started this all in real life was when uh Cena said you know the Rock didn't love the business that led up to the. The Fruity Pebbles comment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then 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 he became the rock. And then he was like, oh, wait, my bad. I see what you're saying now. You got old. Well, I got old. And now I'm like, oh, all these making all these movies is a lot easier on my body and pays me a lot of money. Let's do that. Um, But yeah, that that could be a way that you could go. I just I can't see them. The box office is the biggest thing that to me would prevent a trilogy because if you look at the trajectory of the franchise, they're going to say it's diminishing returns. But in all honesty, the way I would frame it is that at least from opening weekend standards, seven and eight are outliers. They're the exception, not the norm. And those are the only two movies to open over a hundred million dollars. Everything else is in the is as low as forty million, or as low as eighteen million, and as high as high as ninety million. And that's just where this franchise sits. It's just that. Seven and eight are outliers because everybody wanted to go see seven because of how they were going to handle the Paul Walker death and the emotional goodbye. And then everybody wanted to come back at for eight and see how they were going to make a fast movie without without uh, Paul Walker. And those those so those are outliers. Everything else is pretty much in the same ballpark. I'm uh, I'm looking up the uh, the box office while you're saying that that that's what distracted me real quick. But I'm here now. I'm here now. 
the data doesn't lie, does it, Chad? Like, if you look at those openings and you take seven and eight out, it's pretty it's pretty much in that ballpark of between 50 and 90. Let me see. I only have Fast X up right now. And which is of- sitting at, which did, what, 300 million its opening weekend? Um, the opening weekend, uh, probably. So I'm looking at, I'm looking at what, what worldwide is to date and is at 348. Uh, so what I know of the trends, this is in line with them, which is it's made 270 international and 78 domestic, which it's, it's working on the, the transformers, uh, box office method, which is make all your money overseas. And just a little bit domestically, but nobody cares about that because you make a billion dollars. Yeah, the famous Transformers: Age of Extinction that made you know eight hundred million uh, uh, internationally and two hundred million domestic. Yeah, yeah, that it was insane how much money it was making international. At yeah, it was eighty like eighty twenty split, eighty twenty splits or seventy thirty splits. It was it was some insane number. I could. I remember there was a point I could not find anybody that saw it and liked it, uh, or has saw it at all. But it's still. But and everybody's like, "Why is it making a billion dollars?" Like, because it ain't us that's going to see it. It's all them. Yeah, China loves the Transformers. Yeah, yeah. Which we got another one of those coming out too. I keep forgetting about. Which actually looks good. I, I like the prequel. I, I like the prequel route that they're taking, where they're just basically building that to that original movie by decade doing the classic designs incorporating some of the older tv show stuff like beast wars and stuff that kind of means a lot to the fan base you say what you will like Louis uh de labate or however you pronounce his name the producer on those movies is yeah. like they've always been about honoring the legacy of the animated series and about the concepts and the designs of of the of the uh of the um of the characters and, and bringing beast wars in was a, a, a distinct choice by them, but it does look like they're keeping the, uh, they're keeping the, uh, tone of Bumblebee and just taking it to another action level. And I think the, uh, well, one, this is where Michael Bake fails. Cause the easiest thing to get me to like, say a mark of this franchise was just to give me an updated classic design of Optimus prime. And not the nonsense he insisted upon doing, uh, doing before. Because that's half the battle. I see this Optimus Prime, and I'm like, I want to see that Optimus Prime beat somebody in the face. That's what I want. So I, I hope that this is more. This is closer to Bumblebee than anything Michael Bay did, and I think it will be. Uh, yeah, Bumble, Bumblebee meets Bumblebee meets Beast Wars. But the thing is, box office wise. Uh, compared to the rest of them, nobody saw Bumblebee, and it a lot a, of it was a December release in the middle of a bunch of big December releases, if I remember correctly. Uh, what, what year was that? What twenty eighteen? I want to say it, it feels it feels like twenty eighteen, and if that's the case, uh, yes, it is twenty eighteen. So, and if it was December, and you're right, I think it was December. That off top, the first thing is dealing with was Into the Spider Verse. Uh, yep, it was December 21st, 2018. So I know um, it was dealing with like the second or third week of Into the Spider-Verse, which was modest financially, but a smash everywhere else. So let's see, December 2018, box office. 
Hey, me looking up stuff in this in this visual medium. All right. I, I love that we get off on on a Transformers box office conversation in the yeah. middle of our fast breakdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the things that beat it at the box office in December was which we this first movie brings it right back to Fast and the Furious, Aquaman, which as we lest we forget made a billion freaking dollars that year. It was Aquaman into the Spider Verse. Uh, Mary Poppins returns. Nobody talks about now. Uh, Ralph breaks the internet. The Grinch. Then Bumblebee. If you want to throw some other things in there, um, uh, I'll say Clint Eastwood's Mule is around there, but whatever. Creed 2 was out. Bohemian Rhapsody was out. And Fantastic Beasts Beasts were out. So that's all the things that were out in the the December box office timeframe. Some of those came out in November. uh, Some of them in December. And it's well, it's yeah. it's gonna be in, it's and you're gonna be in the same boat this go around because Guardians is still gonna be around Fast is still gonna be around you're gonna have um you're Spider gonna Verse have again yeah you're gonna have Spider Verse again you're gonna have um the Little Mermaid Little Mermaid you're also gonna have um Elemental on the way like there's a whole bunch of stuff around you that's gonna make it hard for you to even contain like a certain number of PLE screens that'll be enough to boost your numbers. This is like, is this like the first real summer back? Yes. Because I, uh, I know last year was kind of sparse, but this is like a real deal summer, like something every week is coming out. Except for this week. Well, no, this week's Little Mermaid, but they're they're also putting out that uh, that mechanic movie that uh, somehow Mark Hamill agreed to do. <laughs> counter-programming. That is definitely counter-programming. All right. So, Chad, those are my thoughts on The Fast and the Furious. I don't necessarily, I don't think like it'll be interesting to see what box office ends up being, but I do think we're we're definitely getting eleven, and they're definitely gonna have to figure out a way to not make all the uh, colored people or the African American folk, uh, you know, um, dead. Um, they're gonna have to explain how Gal Gadot is still alive, and they're gonna have to put Rock and Vin Diesel in the same room together again. Should be a yeah. fun time. I, it should be. I mean, at this point, they uh, you know they got him back in the movie, which he. Again, why everything is wrestling, he adamantly said, I'm not doing any more of these. But clearly, wrestling, he was building his angle. Now we see part of his angle. Now now we wait to see the finale, which is, can he invent being in the same room? And I think money says they can. Well, remember, we went again, we went through this roller coaster. We were we were told their feud was over. Remember, they both sides put that out a while ago. We just didn't yeah. believe it because we also had conflicting reports that, you know, with The Rock saying we all laughed hilariously at whatever Vin Diesel had said about this publicly, you know? Yeah. And so we really didn't know what to believe. And then, you know, we got it. But again, if you're going to do that story and bring five that closely tied to it, there's no way you cannot have Hobbs involved. No, no. Like, I didn't know that. I, well, I knew I've seen five. So I knew Hobbs was in it. I forgot Hobbs was Hobbs was the one that capped old boy. So the little bit I knew about the story, it makes sense that Hobbs it kind of Hobbs Hobbs had to be in it. But I just figured they were going to ignore it. And oh, and they also they also old old boy Jason Satham is in the movie for like five minutes, just gives them the cars, and then finds out that his mom is in trouble because his mom is a known associate of of Vin Diesel's uh, little group, and so she's in, she's in danger. So he gets all his his uh, stuff together and goes and and goes after mom and he goes off to protect mom and then is never heard from again. 
So they they could potentially, I'm not saying they will do this, but they could potentially be setting up a Hobbs and Shaw second movie in between now and 11 that just deals with Momoa and tying up these loose ends with Hobbs and Shaw and bringing them back into the fold for 11. Yeah, I'm really curious if they're going to make this a trilogy of movies because, I mean, it could, I, I think they had the idea for two. Um, I think they'll Peter Jackson it for three if it if they deem it. Hey, that was not Peter certain. Jackson's call. That was the studio. That was the studio who was like, let's take this very tiny book and make it three movies. I'm not knocking Peter Jackson. I know it's the studio's fault. It'll be the studio's fault for this one because, according to Vin, they're the one asking for three. So it's still the same thing. Uh, the studio wants them to stretch it out. They'll stretch it out. But, I mean, there's not really a but. It's, it's just a matter of, I think we get everybody back. Uh, if you did it in two movies, you have more room to spread it out. How, however, again, we're talking about this massive ass cast and their massive ass budget. So, do you shoot both of them at the same time, or do you split them up when you shoot them and, and give them the room to breathe? And how does that work with pay and all that stuff? There's a lot of stuff they need to figure out. And if they're gonna make, if they're making this one or two, uh, I think what we have like two years before the next one. So, yeah, 11, 11 is slated for 20, for summer 2025. So, oh, 2025, so two years. Um, oh, that's two years away. I would shoot, if they're going to make it a trilogy, I would shoot 11 and 12 back to back so you get them out 25 and 26. We'll see. I mean, it, you know, this will really be Luminaire, uh, Lewis's uh, first, uh, first full go with the franchise. So, We'll see um, how that works out. But uh, it, overall, it's a bunch of dumb fun that is, you know, fun. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see how much fun I think. And that, sir, we cannot wait for. And that all about do it for this week's episode of the Movies on the Brain podcast. Uh, if you want to keep up with this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at BCW Tiger Fan. And I'm at The Mets Theory. Thank you very much. And may the dial of destiny be with you. Thank <laughs> you.